morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word tonight, this morning, rather, may we see your providence, may we see your goodness, may we see your grace that's been demonstrated to us. Well, may we realize that this world brings worry, anxiety. But your grace brings peace and contentment. Lord, may we trust in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to continue our study in the book of Matthew as we continue to walk through the book of Matthew. We've been looking at several, uh, the last several weeks, we've been looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus's, uh, one of Jesus' longest discourses that we see. And last week we looked at uh, the contrast that Jesus makes between the treasures of this world and the treasures of the next world. And we're going to continue to, to look at that a little, in a little bit different vein here today. Uh, but if you notice in your bulletin, uh, you'll find something a little different this morning. Uh, there's some fill-in-the-blanks. Uh, so I promise... I will try my very best to give you the answers to those fill-in-the-blanks, but uh, if I go uh, off script, uh, then uh, I cannot be held accountable because sometimes I'll go off script and and you never know. Uh, But I will do my very best to try and give you those fill-in-the-blanks, and so I'm going to try uh, and do that uh, over the next several weeks and months and see how that goes. Uh, So let's, uh, let's, that's just a heads up for you guys, Uh, so if you have a pen or pencil, I uh, want to make you uh, aware of that there. That's there in the bulletin. Well, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Jesus, or last week we talked about the contrast that Jesus made between the treasures of this earth and the treasures of uh, heaven or those of the world that is yet to come. And before we get into, the, uh, before we get into uh, the message this morning, I want to encourage you that when you leave here today, that I hope that you will leave here with a understanding that I must trust God for my needs and my provision. That this world and the things of this world cannot fulfill those heart desires 
that God has placed within me. I pray that, that you will leave this place trusting God and Him alone for your needs and your provision. In the world that we live in, the world's treasures are temporary. We looked at that last week. We looked at the temporal nature of the treasures of this world. I look at my children, and I look at, at Daniel and Anna and Nicholas, and I remember the day that we took Daniel home from the hospital. And I remember how small he was and how tiny his little hands were and how tiny his little feet were. And I remember just, just holding him for hours. And I remember him sleeping on my chest from 2 o'clock till 6 o'clock until his mama got up to feed him the next feeding. I remember him as a child. And then just a few months ago, he had a birthday and turned 11. And... I'm trying to figure out what happened between that time when that baby was sleeping on my chest and the time that he turned 11 because it seems like it was, it was five minutes. And as grandmas and grandpas are sitting out there, I, I see the heads nodding and you're saying, yeah, you've got an 11-year-old, you don't have a 41-year-old. <laughs> it's gone like that. It's gone like that. The, even, even the things that, are, that, that we... We look to and we say, well, we'll know that this isn't a possession, but we understand that, that life is, is temporary. Everything in this world is temporary, and especially the things of this world, there's a temporal nature to them. How many of you have ever gone out to eat, and you have been so famished that you've looked at the, look, you've looked at the menu, and, and all of a sudden you begin meeting the, reading the menu left to right instead of right to left? You know, normally when, when you're of sound mind, you go to the restaurant and you read the menu right to left. You look at how much things cost and then you say, okay, well, do I want that or not? But you're so hungry that you read stuff left to right and you say, I don't care how much it is. I am starving. I am going to get whatever it is that I want. And then they bring you that, that filet or they bring you that, that lobster or whatever it is that you want. And then you're full and you're satisfied. And then they bring you the bill. You look at that bill and you're like, well, I don't even, I don't even want it now. And you're, you're so frustrated with yourself because you were, you were so, so temporal-minded and so, so short-sighted that, that the only thing you could think about was filling your stomach. Such is this world. Everything in this world is temporary. The houses that we live in, the cars that we drive, the clothes that we wear, no matter how many coats of wax, no matter how much maintenance you put into the vehicle you drive, no matter how many coats of paint you put on the, the house that you drive, no matter how much maintenance, how much care you put into it, it's temporary. And it's only going to last a little while. The contrast of the heavenly gifts, the heavenly treasures, are the heavenly treasures are eternal. Earthly treasures are temporary, heavenly treasures are eternal. The scripture tells us that there are three things that last forever. There are three things that last forever and have no end. God, God is from everlasting to everlasting. From the beginning to the end, God will always be. The word of God. The scripture tells us that the word of God will last forever. That there will not be one jot or tittle that will pass away from the word of God. And that means nothing to you and I because we don't know Hebrew and Greek. 
the jot and the tittle were the smallest pin strokes of Hebrew. And what the author is saying is not even the smallest pin stroke is going to pass away from the Word of God. That it is going to last forever. And the Scripture tells us this, that the souls of men will endure for all of eternity. That your soul is going to last forever. We will either live forever in glory with God or we will live forever in torment and punishment in a place that the Bible calls hell. But our souls will last forever. Therefore, what do we invest ourselves into? Next, I want to look at the earthly treasures. The scripture tells us that earthly treasures lead to worry, lead to anxiety. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For is not life more more than food and body more than clothing? Earthly treasures lead to worry. They lead to anxiety. Now, I want us to understand that food, shelter, clothing, these things are necessary. These things are not bad. I am glad that every one of you got up this morning and put on clothes before you came to church. This would make for a very interesting Sunday had you not. But food, shelter, clothing, these things, while they may be necessary, they are not our chief end. Heavenly treasures lead to peace and contentment. Earthly treasures lead to worry, anxiety. If we are constantly striving for the things of this world, we will constantly be striving for the things of this world. But if we are constantly striving for the things of God, there is a contentment, there is a peace that comes with investing and striving after heavenly treasures. Now, I want to talk for just a moment about materialism. Now, I don't want us to misunderstand materialism. Materialism is not the possession of lots of material things. I have known people who are, are very poor, very, very, of very meager means, that are some of the most materialistic people that I've ever met. Contrastly, I've met people who are very wealthy and have a great deal of means to be some of the most generous, giving, unmaterialistic, if that's even a word, people that, that I've ever met. Materialism is not about what we own. It is not about our possessions. Materialism is about our attitude toward our possessions. Materialism is about our disposition towards that which we own. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4? Whenever Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by by the enemy, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And Satan provided Jesus. He said, he said take, these, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 reminds us that Jesus said that the things of this world are temporary. Even the things that we need, even the food, even the shelter, even the clothing, that those things are temporary. And that is not our chief end. Materialism is not about how much or how little we have. It's about the attitude towards our possession. I want to contrast two stories in the Gospel of Matthew and let us look at materialism from this light. Turn with me, if you will, 
to Matthew chapter 10, verses 17 through 23. Matthew chapter 10, verses 17 through 23. Now, both of these men that we're going to look at are very wealthy, very wealthy men. That's not right. Since my reference is not right, I'll tell you the story. It's the story of the rich young ruler. The man shows up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at the man and he says, keep the commandments. He says, oh, I've done that since I was a youth. I've done that since I was a child. He says, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness, don't covet. He says, I've taken care of all that. Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions to the poor, come and follow me. The scripture tells us that the man left despondent. He hung his head. Why? Because the man was very wealthy. He had a disposition, he had an attitude about his possessions. His possessions were more important to him than anything else in this world. Even his soul. There was an attitude about what he owned that said, I have, I have striven for this. I have, I have put in time, energy, and effort. I have gained much wealth. I have accumulated all of this stuff. This is where my value is. This is where my importance is. If I sell all my property, if I sell all my possessions, then, then who will I be? Contrast that, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Jesus has just died. And there's a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, verse 57. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea, whose name was Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body of Jesus to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Contrast the two stories. Both wealthy men, both men of great means. One says, my possessions mean more to me than even my own eternal life. The other said, my possessions mean nothing to me compared to that which I can do for my Lord. It is not about what we own. It is about our attitude about what we own. What is your attitude about your possessions? What is your attitude about your bank account? What is your attitude about your home, about your car, about your clothing? What are you striving for? Is your desire, is your chief end to glorify God with what He has given you? Because the Scripture tells us in James, in James chapter 1, verse 17, the Scripture tells us that all gifts, all good and perfect gifts, come from the Father who, are, who is above, who loves us. And so if we understand that all good and perfect gifts come from God, then we understand that everything that we have been given is to be used for the glory of God. And so what is your attitude about possessions? When God lays it upon your heart, 
The Holy Spirit speaks to you about helping someone, about being generous, about about taking that which you have and giving it away. Do you argue with the Holy Spirit and say, but I worked hard for that. I know I do. That's why the Lord gave me my wife. I'll argue with her. I'd say, but we can't do that. We're going to need that. What if if the car breaks? What if the air conditioner goes out? What if the fridge breaks? She says, then the fridge breaks, then we'll, we'll fix the fridge. If the air breaks, we'll fix the air. And I'll say, but we don't have any money. She said, do you not think that God will provide? But when we strive for the things of this world, that's what we think about, the things of this world. But what if, but what if, but what if? What I've learned as I've walked with the Lord is there is not what if, there's only what is. When we are constantly worried about what if, we can never be obedient today. We're constantly worried about what will happen tomorrow, we cannot be obedient today. As my best friend lays in a hospital room, in New Orleans at 37 years old with a kidney, a tumor larger than his kidney being removed and looking at a lifetime battle of cancer. I'm reminded of James's passage. Our lives are but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. And on his way to New Orleans to meet with the surgeon, he looked at me and he said, you know, he said, I could get in a car accident on my way to meet with the surgeon. He said, my days are numbered. All of our days are numbered. There is not what if. There is only what is. Do your possessions allow you To glorify God? Does what God has blessed you with, are you using what God has given you to bless others, to bring glory to God? Or are you hoarding it? Are you striving for more? Luke chapter 12, verse 18 tells a story of a man who has much possessions. He says, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns so that I can Store all my stuff. Jesus says, you fool. You not know tonight your life will be required of you? Now, I do want to point out, go back to Matthew chapter 6. I do want to point out, Jesus' Jesus's statements does not, and I don't want us to misunderstand this, Jesus' statements does not encourage a life of laziness. Look at what he says. Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Trusting in God is not laziness. Trusting in God for your provisions, trusting in God for your needs is not laziness. Let's look a little bit deeper at the analogy that Jesus uses. 
Consider the birds of the air. Last time I've checked, when I walk outside and I see birds, I don't see them sitting in their nests with their mouths open, waiting for God to come by and drop food in their beaks. I don't see them sitting on a limb, waiting for God to build them a nest. I don't see them sitting idly by, expecting God to take care of them. What do we see birds doing? They're constantly flying around. They are busy. They are, they are gathering sticks and twigs. They're building a nest. The mama birds and the daddy birds are flying around and they are, they are gathering food for their young ones. The male birds are, are constantly seeking out those female birds to whom they can mate with and the female birds so that they can reproduce so that their species will continue. Birds do not sit around and do nothing. They are constantly about what God has created them to be about. Trusting in God is not laziness. I want us to look at a couple of passages out of the book of Proverbs. I want us to hear this. Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 19. It says, The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a, is a highway. Look at Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. He who has a slack hand, he who is lazy, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. 2 Thessalonians says it like this. Paul encouraged the church in Thessalonica. He said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. The Bible does not encourage laziness. The Bible does not encourage a spirit of entitlement. The Bible does not encourage a, a welfare state. What the Bible encourages is hard work. What the Bible encourages is generosity. The Bible encourages is, is great grace being given to those who are unable to work. Who does it encourage the church to take care of? The widow, the orphans, those who are unable to work. The only way that we can do that as the church is if those who are able to work, work. That is the Christian principle. To care for those who are unable to. To care for those who cannot care for themselves. For the orphan. For the widow. To care for the elderly. To honor your father and mother whenever they come to a place in their life where they can no longer work. Jesus' principle here in Matthew chapter 6 does not promote laziness. He says, consider the birds. Look at the birds. Look at how they live. They use what God has given them. They use the means. They use the, 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 the environment to build nests, to gather food, to do work. Yet God provides them with trees to live in. Insects, grass, seed to eat. God provides for them. The birds are purposeful. The birds are diligent. Yet they know that God has provided for them all that they need. I want us to look a little bit closer at Jesus' analogy, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' analogy says, don't worry about three different things. He says, don't worry about your needs, your earthly needs, food, clothing, shelter. And then he says, don't worry about what you will wear. And then he talks about the image. What is clothing for us? It is more than just that which cover our body. Oh, I see all of these beautiful hats here this morning. 
How many of you tried on about 16 different hats before you came to church? It's okay to raise your hand. How, and, and, and my wife is, is, is sitting over there. She's like, oh my gosh, if I raise my hand, everybody's going to look at me and know. But, but what we do, I can't tell you how many times I've gone out with my wife, and, and I'm going to be in trouble today because I've picked on her a lot this morning. But I can't tell you how many times I've gone, we've, we've gone out, and, and there's, once, once we finally, once she's finally dressed and we leave, there's about six different outfits on my bed. Because she has, she has tried on a, a dress or, a, or an outfit and she's come out and she's looked at the mirror and she's taken it off and gone right back in her closet. And tried on another outfit, looked at herself and gone right back in the closet. Because we are concerned about our image. We are concerned about what we look like to other people. We are concerned about, about how, how, we will, how we will appear to others. That's why there is a billion dollar fashion industry. Because we care about the image that we portray. Jesus said, Don't not, only, not only should you not worry about your needs, you should not worry about what this world thinks about you. And he said, For which one of you, by worrying, can add one more cubit to your life? There are three things that Jesus addresses. He addresses our needs, He addresses our image, and then He addresses death he says by worrying by being consumed with the things of this world you cannot you cannot in any way address your physical needs you cannot address your image and you cannot address death philippians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us this my god will supply all of your needs according to his glory according to the riches of His glory. Paul said, my God, He's just said, I have learned to be content in all things, whether to be a base and have nothing, or whether to be affluent and have everything. I understand that my God will supply all of my needs, according to the riches of His glory. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, David says this, I'm sorry, Samuel says this, he says, God looks at the inward, man looks at the outward. Our concern, our primary concern, ought not to be what this world sees, our primary concern would be what God sees. The image that we portray, not to the people that we go to work with, not to the people that we go to church with, not to the people at at, at Piccadilly, but to God. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the inward. And then addressing death, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says this, O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? There is no more fear of death. Jesus addresses the needs. He addresses the image. He addresses death itself. And so church, here's the question I have for us as we close. This morning, where is our, where's our heart? Is our heart in the treasures of this world? In the things that are temporary? In the things that create anxiety and worry? Or is our treasure, is our heart 
in the world that is to come? Is our heart, is our treasure in the things that will last for all of eternity into God? Are we investing our lives into God, into the Word of God, into the souls of men? If we're a child of God, I pray that we see all that God has blessed us with. We see our possessions. We see the material wealth that God has given us as tools for His glory and for His kingdom. And we do not fall into the trap of materialism. If you aren't a child of God this morning, there is cause to be worried. There is cause for anxiety. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 that it is appointed for a man to die once and after that to face the judgment. Psalm chapter 51 tells us that we are all brought forth into this world with a sin nature. It tells us in Psalm 51 that behold I was brought forth in sin and in sin my mother conceived me. The scripture tells us that the soul that sins shall die. We're all appointed to die once and to face the judgment. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And apart from Christ, we should be worried because we will stand before a holy God in judgment and He will judge us not according, not according to, to our peers, but He will judge us by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And no matter how good we are, how kind we are, how loving we are, compared to the spotless righteous Lamb, we will fall short. And we will stand condemned. But the great news of the Gospel is this, church. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, While we were yet sinners, while we stood condemned, there came someone to stand in our place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made Him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf that we might become the very righteousness of Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, Except for the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The good news for us is that Christ shed His red, rich, royal blood on a rugged Roman cross that we might have eternal life with Him. The Gospel is plain and is clear. Apart from Christ, we stand condemned. You should be worried. In Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This morning, if you are in Christ, We need not worry. We must work and we must live our lives for the glory of God. Apart from Christ, we must be worried. If you're here this morning and you're worried, maybe it's because you need to come to this altar and give your anxiety over to Him. Or maybe you need to come down to this altar And give your life to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that Jesus has paid our debt. We thank You 
that the things of this world are temporary. We thank You that Your Word tells us that in this world we have trials, we have afflictions, we have tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We thank You that Your Word tells us that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, this morning, there are those children, those, those who are Your children, those who are Christians, those who are followers of Jesus, who are filled with anxiety and worry about what tomorrow may bring. May this morning, may they be comforted. May they be comforted by the truth in Your Word. That if we focus on the things of God, that that brings peace and contentment. We don't have to worry because we can trust you. There are those here this morning who are filled with anxiety and worry because they know not Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Maybe you need to grab someone in the aisle, grab someone in the pew with you and come down to this aisle and come down to this altar and pray. Maybe your life has been filled with anxiety and you need to trust God. Maybe you've been consumed with materialism. You've been consumed with the things of this world and God is speaking to your heart this morning. And you need to adjust your attitude, your disposition toward the things that you own. Maybe God has called you to be a part here at Redeemer. Be a part of what, of what He's doing right here at Redeemer. Maybe God is calling you to follow in obedience by being baptized. Whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning, may you find yourself obedient. In Jesus' name we pray.